Yeah. 
We want to welcome this morning those that are watching on Isaac TV and Eternal Life TV. And you guys know that suddenly the doors have opened around the earth to over 200 nations, wherever you're watching from. And we're excited to be a part. We believe this is a divine connection and uh, God's joined us together for such a time as this. I don't know. I believe personally, and I know you wouldn't be here if you didn't feel the same. This is not your ordinary hour on the earth. It's not the normal day. But we're not normal believers. And we're going to be all that he's called us to be, especially in this hour. And we're not going to back up. We're not going into a dark winter. We're going into something more glorious. You know, the answer to all this is the glory of the Lord filling the house of the Lord. You know, and so that's what we're expecting and we're just going to believe God to do something mighty. Well, this morning I want to just share a little bit out of a scripture that, well, let me just tell you what happened. They asked me to write an article for January 2021. And I thought, well, you know, I can do that. And that way they won't accuse me of copying other people. You know, if I get the head start, they can copy me. And uh, no, there's no copy. There's, you know, God is, there's no monopoly. The word of God is the word of God. And so I wanted to speak what they asked me to write on because I believe it's a word for the hour and it's something that you and I are getting ready for. Does that sound okay with you guys? So I want you to go with me to, now listen to this. John chapter 20, verse 21. And this is a word I believe. It's okay to believe, isn't it? I mean, you know, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I have faith this morning. This is a word for 2021, John 2021. And then we're going to pray and then look into it and and, uh, see what God says this morning. So anyway, you know the verse. And this is what, you know, in the midst of what they say is coming, lockdowns and all these things, here's what I believe the Lord is saying. So Jesus said to them again. How many of you know we need him sometime to repeat what he's told us. Because sometimes we forget. We're, we want to be doers of the word, but sometimes we are forgetful hearers. So we need him to repeat to us. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Now I want to pray, okay, you guys with me? Now that's a very familiar scripture, but this is what I believe the Lord is saying. In the midst of this hour, Father, I thank you that whatever the enemy's plan, you have a greater plan and purpose. All these things work together for good to them that are called and according, called according to his purpose. And so, Lord, we thank you that whatever the enemy's doing, you will use for good. And you'll turn it around. That, God, our trust is in the one who began a good work in us. Because he's the one not only who begins a work, he's the one that will complete it. And we thank you for this promise of John chapter 20, verse 21. And we hear you again. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, anoint our ears to hear. Anoint us to speak. But anoint us to obey what you're saying in this scripture. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, referring to the work, you know, where Jesus on the cross at the end, the last three words, what did he say? He said, it is finished. How many of you know he finished what he began? We've said this before, and I believe with all my heart, 
before the church leaves the world, however we leave, there are a hundred different opinions about that. All I know is before Jesus comes again, the church will also have a testimony that shouts, it is finished. If Jesus did what the Father said to do and he completed it, how many of you think if he sent us on a mission, we might just possibly finish it? I have a feeling he's going to be faithful and we're going to see him do exactly what he said to do. Now, in the New Testament, to be sent means this. It means to have a specific message, to be a messenger with a specific message, not just a random word. Thus saith the Lord word. Remember, we've spoken before. There are many who went. In this hour, we're going to see those who were sent. Because the sin, those who are sent will have, thus saith the Lord. The word also means to be an agent. It means to be thrust. It means to be put forth into action. How many of you are ready for action? I believe all over the world, people are getting ready. Not just to be locked down. We've already seen the scripture. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And that word means, you look it up, it's not that the gates are going to fall on top of you. It means the gates can't lock you out of what God has called you to. It's not going to happen. It had never happened in history. There are many times they thought they had shut out the church. They said, it's finished, it's over. It hadn't worked and it won't work because we, we have a promise and we have a purpose. And, you know, it's like when Paul said, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. Well, it's not only like he was pleading through us, he is pleading through us. He's speaking through us, and that's what we're going to see today. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask you to open our hearts, open our minds. God, we pray not only would we hear the word, but there would be an impartation And there would be a release of what you're saying at this time. Lord, as we get ready, we're just a few weeks away from 2021. And Lord, regardless of what some say, we're going to get there. And we're not just going to get there. We're going to go from there to what you've called us to in this remarkable time. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, John chapter 20, let's go back and I want to read the whole thing beginning with verse 19, and then we'll look at it, and there are just four things. Say four things. That's it, and I'm going to release it, pray. There'll be an impartation. And I've always felt we would be speaking to the earth from Moravian Falls. In fact, Bob Jones prophesied it. He said the gospel would be preached from Moravian Falls to the ends of the earth. And I wondered, now, Lord, how are you going to do this? How are you going to pull this off? You know, I know who we are. And it's like he said, well, you need to know who I am. It's not really about who you are. It's who I am. And anyway, verse 19, let's look at this. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. Now think about, you know, you you might head into some territory where it looks like the doors are shut. Now the disciples were assembled there. Why were they assembled? They were afraid. They, it says, for fear of, of uh, those of the Jews, Jesus, and then Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. So they were afraid of those who had just put their master to death. 
And they wondered what was going to happen to them. And uh, so let's go on and look at it. And so Jesus came, stood in the midst of them. How many of you know when, when he comes and, and stands in our midst, everything changes? How many of you think that may be the case in this hour in America? There are many things happening, not only in America, all over the earth. Our friend that was here last week, he went back to Pakistan. He hadn't left yet. He's gonna, he'll be going back, but he's already heard. They're going into new lockdowns in Pakistan. And they're going into lockdowns all over the earth. It's the most incredible time. So we need this word. So Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace with you. Then when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He was giving them the evidence. Then the disciples were glad. Say they were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. They needed to hear it twice. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there are four things that I see in that scripture that we're going to need in the year 2021. You guys ready? And the first one is we're going to need peace. We're going to need peace. Well, guess what? We have peace. There are two kinds of peace. There may be many kinds, but in particular, he said that we would have peace with God, with God. Many people today need that peace all over the earth. You know, because of sin, we're at enmity with God, the Bible says. We're enemies of God. Now, many would say, I'm not an enemy of God, but sin causes us to be at odds with God because that means we're living for ourselves. We've not made that turnaround, and we're going our own way, and so it's the opposite way. And we have to turn around and go his way. So there's peace with God. I'm believing with all my heart. Before this thing is said and done, they're going to be millions and millions. I know they said the votes were switched by millions of votes and all these things. I'm telling you, they're going to be millions and millions and millions more than the votes that are going to come to Jesus Christ in this hour. It's going to happen all over the earth. The Lord has tagged this moment. This is a day he's going to have the final word. And then there's not only peace with God, there's the peace of God. I need that every day. You need that every day. We're going to have to have that kind of peace. What kind of peace is that? It's the kind of peace he's given us. Remember that in John, he said, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In other words, if he's given you peace, why did he say, let not your heart be troubled? Because you're going to be tempted to let your heart be troubled. And so in the midst of that, he said, don't be troubled. I've given you something that's going to take care of what you think is the end of the story. I'm going to give you a peace that passes understanding. And that's where we're going to live. You remember the scriptures. Peace I leave with you. John chapter 14, verse 27. And then Isaiah 26. You will keep him in perfect peace. Who's what? Whose mind is stayed on CNN. You're not going to have peace if your mind is stayed on CNN. Whose mind is stayed on you. So we're going to have to turn some things off and keep our focus on him. We're going to have to have peace. And I want to prophesy over you. You will have peace. 
If the world didn't give it to you, how's the world going to take it from you? It doesn't even belong to the world. It, it's his peace. It's not even our peace. It says my peace, his peace. I have a feeling his peace is going to take care of the issue, whatever it is. So there's number one in addition to peace. Secondly, look at that scripture. He gave them a different perspective. Now, there, there they are. They're hiding. They're in fear. They shut the doors. They're assembled in fear. These are the disciples that you would thought they would have learned it by now. But they're afraid of what's going to happen. They're not only afraid for their lives, they're afraid for the lives of their families. So they're in hiding. And then all of a sudden, something changes. What happens? Jesus shows up. The church in America needs something to happen. And if I, if I read this correctly, this is what we need to happen in the church today. We need to stop having church. We need Jesus to show up and stand in the midst. Jesus came and stood in the midst. And he said, peace be to you. And then he showed them his hands and his side. And then in look in verse 20 at the end. Then the disciples were glad when they did what? When they saw the Lord. Their whole perspective changed. They had one perspective, the world's perspective. And then all of a sudden, in a twinkling of a moment, suddenly Jesus walks in and instead of sad, they became glad. Now I've always heard this and I found it to be true. You start looking at other people or looking out, you know what I mean? What's going on around you? You're going to be a little bit depressed because, you know, folks are doing things that are absolutely bizarre, crazy. They've lost their minds. Sin is running rampant. Men, evil men, deceived and deceiving. All these things. You can become depressed if you focus too much. And then if you focus on yourself, you know, there are those that came along and said you need to be looking deep within. Make sure you're healed within and I know there may be a lot of truth. I understand those things go back to your childhood. All I know is if you look too long on the inside, you're not going to be that impressed. You're going to be oppressed. I look at myself too long. I can't even look at myself too long in the morning in the mirror. I, you know what I mean? I, I mean, that's enough of self, myself. I, hey, Lord, this is, all, this is what you made. You know, I just got to give this back to you. You know what I'm talking about. I don't want to dwell there in the mirror all day. But if you look up in this hour, you're going to be awfully impressed. I'm telling you. If you keep your eyes above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, don't set your mind on the earth, but set your mind above. And I'm telling you, he'll give you a new perspective. We don't need the world's perspective in this hour. Man, it's depressing. It's not even fun. There's no life in it. It's doom. It's dark. There are people prophesying a dark winter. I've already determined I am not going into your dark winter. I am, I'm not having anything to do with it. I'm going to believe what God said. You may go in a dark winter, but I have the answer to get you out of that dark winter, and I'm going to shout it louder than I ever have. And so we need a change of perspective. We, get, we need things. Lord, come. I remember somebody said, your stinking thinking is what's messing you up. And we got to get rid of the stinking thinking. Remember this. It looked bad 
man, there was a host against them. And then Elijah prayed for his servant. Let me just read that. 2 Kings chapter 6. Remember this scripture. And when the servant of the, of the man of God arose early and he went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. How many of you know that looked bad? You're surrounded. And so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain, he saw from a different perspective. The mountain was full of horses and chariots, not belonging to the enemy, but horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And you know, there are going to be times in this coming year, you're going to be tempted to look at those who are against you, but I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is there are far more for you than there are against you. There are far more with you than are with them. And it doesn't matter who's against you if God be for you. And that's the main thing. And then the third thing they saw or they received in the scripture is God gave his disciples the Father's purpose. The Father's purpose. In other words, nothing else is going to work. It ain't going to work. How many of you know it probably hasn't worked like we thought it was going to work? Do you know why Jesus was successful? He only did. He, he didn't do anything. He didn't wake up and say, well, I think today I'm going to do this and that. No, he did what the Father showed him to do. He spoke with the Father, told him to say, and he was the most successful man that ever lived. And, and you and I can have that same success. All of our works, well, you know, some of them maybe didn't look that bad. But the truth is, the flesh profits nothing. It profits absolutely nothing. I believe with all of my heart, this is going to be a year, 2021. It will not be by might. If it's by might, you're in trouble. It's not going to be by your own power. It's going to be by my spirit, saith the Lord. And it's the Father's purpose. There are things going on we're not going to have the answer for. You're going to wonder, how, how will my family make it? You'll make it. If you hear what the Father's saying about it, does that make sense? You know, a few weeks ago, we shared that remarkable story about how, you know, they had all the great intentions. They, the place where they were was too small, and they were going to build. They're going to expand. They're going to go cut down trees. Remember the story. And they, go, they get permission from Elisha. Can we go? You know, this place is too small. Elisha says, Go. So they go and they start cutting down trees along the Jordan River. And what happens? The axe from one of the workers, one of the men, the sons of the, the prophet, the axe head falls into the water. And then a remarkable thing happened. He went to the master. He went to Elisha and told him all about it. Elisha then goes and breaks a stick, throws it in the water. I believe what that actually meant was he just banked on the word. He threw the stick in the water, the water of the word. He stood on the word. And then what did the axe head do? It started coming to the top. How many of you can make an axe head float to the top? I've never met anybody that can do that. 
It's supernatural. We're going to need a supernatural God. And if we're doing what the Father's saying in this hour, I'm telling you, there's going to be supernatural power to do it. Now, that leads us to the last thing. You guys with me? Look in verse 22. And then when he had said that, let's just back up. Jesus in verse 21 said to them again. Now, he's speaking this again. There's a new sending coming. You know that word apostolic? You know what it really means? To send. The church is going back to the roots, going back to the foundation. We're going back to where we have been sent, and we're going to be the sent ones. Now, how are you going to be sent with what they're telling us coming? You're going to be sent. That's all I know is what God said. I'm throwing the stick on the water. Now, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's a large segment of the church that says we already have that now first of all you can't be saved except that the holy spirit convicts you draws you and then you know he comes to dwell within you you know we're the temple of the holy spirit and we're thankful for that and then we need you know that fresh and filling of the holy spirit but if i read the scripture correctly the holy spirit came upon them and empowered them and much of the church says we've done that Can I tell you, there's a new anointing coming. There's a new breath that's about to be released over the nation and the nations of the earth. Now, what are we going to do about it? Receive it. And he's not in it. I learned that quite a while ago. I'm still learning. He's not in it. He is a he, the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this may be elementary, but I can never... This has been way back since I was in school. I cannot abbreviate Holy Spirit. He won't let me do it. You know, it'd be a lot easier when you're in a hurry just to put HS. You know what I mean? When you're making notes and stuff, you know. I cannot. I don't care for the life of me. Now, you're saying that's silly. And maybe it is silly. All I know, the Lord's telling me, don't abbreviate my name. He's saying, the Holy Spirit is God. That's what I am. I'm God. And you need all of me. You don't need the abbreviation. The problem is a lot of people have had the abbreviated version. We don't need the abbreviation. We need the Holy Spirit. We need all that he is. And I believe he's going to give us all that he is in this hour again. He said again, I spoke to them again. There's a new anointing coming. There's a fresh wind. There's a rumbling beginning to break out in the United States of America. Now there's some people think that rumbling is gonna happen on the streets, and I don't know about all that. All I know is there's a rumbling in the house of God. There's a mighty rushing wind that's beginning to blow. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna receive. I'm gonna receive, how many of you guys? I'm, I'm in, I'm in. This is, this is our hour. My hour is your hour. I don't care what they say. There's more than one Esther in the year 2020 and 2021. There's way more. Those who were called into the kingdom for such a time as this. So I want you to pray. I'm going to do, I want to pray over everyone. I want you to stand. And then Chris is going to come and take it from here. We're going to do the offering and then he's going to come. But I want to pray. Listen, guys, 
the Lord has expanded our vision and our version here. So we're preaching to over 200 nations. How many of you think there's a few lost people in the nations? There's a few lost people in this nation. There's more than a few in this nation. It's like what Billy Graham said. Many people have had just enough religion. They've been inoculated from the real thing. Now we don't need the, the counterfeit, the abbreviated. We need the real thing. And his name is Jesus. And I just want to challenge you this morning, wherever you're watching from, if you're in this room, this is the day of salvation. There's never been a day like today. And God still loves the world. And the, the reason and, and, or the proof is that he sent his only son. And Jesus died. And many people are wondering, how can I know this Jesus in this hour? Well, first of all, you can't just know him when you decide to know him. He has to draw you. There has to be that drawing, that convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And he's drawing many people right now. And if he's drawing you, you need to know that Jesus is the Son of God. He died and then he rose again. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so there's repentance involved. You say, where does that come in? You say, Lord, I turn from my own way, my life. You are the way. I'm giving you my life from this moment on for the rest of my life. And when you do that, you choose him. You pray. You mean it. I'm telling you, salvation will come to you and your household. So I want us to pray. Would you guys pray with me this morning? We'll pray out loud. And if you're watching, you pray this prayer, but you mean it in your heart. And God's going to do something sovereign right now in your life. Father, we just say this. Say, dear God, I believe in you. I thank you for Jesus. You sent your son for me. And I confess my need of you. I confess that I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. And I confess you now as Lord of my life. I turn from my sin. And I turn my life over to you. And now by faith, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God. And use me now for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, connect with us. There will be a, an email address and you can contact us. But now we need to pray that second part of that. We need a fresh anointing. Fresh anointing, God. This is the time we're made for. There's no turning back now. Some of you are probably thinking, if I could wake up from this nightmare, I would there are things coming down the pike. You're going to need peace. You're going to have to be about the Father's purpose. You're going to need a fresh perspective to keep from absolutely losing your mind. We need to be those who've already lost their mind. We've, our mind has stayed on him. We're trusting in him and not in our own understanding. And I just want to pray this. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the saints in this room, those that are watching. God, I pray in Jesus' name for all over the earth. Lord, we pray for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. Let the wind blow once again. We hear your command. You said, 
as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Lord, I thank you the church is going to complete the mission, the commission that you've given us. And I thank you that the answer is to receive what the disciples in that day received. And we receive again, Lord. We pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. We pray for a fresh fire to fall upon the church here and all across this land. Lord, we thank you. There's a mighty rushing wind that is beginning to blow. And we pray, come Holy Spirit. We receive by faith the wind of heaven for this hour. And we thank you, Lord, that greater is he that's in us and greater is he that will be seen through us in this hour than he that's in the world. And so we honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Let fire fall, we pray. And we give you all the glory. We receive by faith. And we surrender now in Jesus' name. And amen. And amen. And amen. God bless you guys. Good morning. I was getting sleepy listening to that song. Um, man, praise the Lord. How many of you guys know that the Lord is not random, but he's strategic? Do you believe that God just doesn't say stuff to be saying stuff, and he just doesn't do stuff to be doing stuff, but there's actually an end in mind, there's a goal that he's working toward? So this morning's not random. This morning is divinely orchestrated by the Father. Do you believe that? I want to draw your attention to something. At the end of worship, uh, the Spirit of God was trying to stir something back to remembrance. And for those of you that have been here for a long time, you were cluing into that. If you haven't been here for a long time, you may have to dust this one off the shelf. But there was a prophetic word that came out right here on this stage, and we even made a CD about it. It sparked into this whole thing. There is a fire burning in these hills for all the nations to see. There's a fire burning in these hills that starts with you and me. And I want to tell you, nobody on our worship team planned on singing or doing any of that this morning. That wasn't in the deck of cards. That was just the Holy Spirit trying to communicate to us that every promise that he has said is still on the table. I'm getting chills right now talking about this because I know maybe we got to catch up to this, but I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, the Lord is speaking and he's reminding us of where we're going. And I'm going to tell you something. I sat up here for seven years and watched JT and Jenny prophesy over this place, and I remember most of it. And I'm telling you, every one of those words is still on the table. Man, I'm, I don't even know what to do with myself up here. I've got chill bumps up both arms. Listen to me. The Lord is going to do what he said he's going to do. We haven't missed it. The, the moment hasn't passed us. We're just now catching up to it. You know, real prophecy is usually a little bit out ahead of you. I'm going to tell you this too, one of my prophetic friends in 2015 when we released the Fire in These Hills CD, he listened to the CD and he called me up, a very famous prophetic dude, you guys would all know, he said, Chris, he said, this CD is not for this time. And I didn't want to hear that then, because we had just spent hundreds and hundreds of hours making it. 
He said, you guys are prophesying a future season that's coming. And this morning, it's like the Lord just got right back to that moment, and he's trying to say that all of this is still coming and it's still happening. Does, does it, you guys have been here a while. You know what I'm talking about. The rest of you guys will catch up. I'm telling you, the Lord is going to do what he's going to do. My goodness. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray again. Father, we love you. <laughs> God, we just, we just love you. That's all we can say. You're everything. Our, our lives would be so completely meaningless, Lord, without you, God. It would be just such a waste. It would be so pointless, God. But, but you've redeemed us, God, by your own blood, and you've brought us into your family, Lord, and you've brought us into your body and into your church. And, and God, you've given us a hope and a reason to live. And God, we just honor your presence here this morning. God, we bless you. We honor you. We love you. And we just ask you to come today and do everything that is in your heart to do. We don't want anything to be left unsaid or undone that is on your heart today. We love you, God. And we make all the room for you. Do whatever you want to do in here today, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, well, you guys are getting a two-for-one special today. Price of admission doesn't change. You just get a little more for your money. So I want to give a little review. Um, of course, I had no idea what David would be sharing, but he jumped into 2021, and the Lord told me to do the same. But I have to back up before I get into that. I want to go back to 2019. I shared a word in January of 2019 uh, that... 2019 was going to be a year of preparation specifically for what was going to come in 2020. And the instruction that he gave us was it is a year to get your house in order. He said, I want you going into 2020 unhindered and unencumbered because he said some big stuff was going down in 2020. Now, we had no idea what was going to happen in 2020, but we at least heard the call to prepare. So we tried diligently to do that. We got to 2020, and in January, I preached another message. What's the Lord saying about 2020? And of course, this was before all the craziness started around March or something. The word that the Lord gave us for 2020 was, it's time to shine. And it kind of has a double meaning because I didn't realize how dark it was going to get. So if I look out the window right now on a day where it's bright and sunny, you can't see the stars. They're there, but you can't see them. But if we walk out there tonight at midnight, if it's a clear sky, you'll see every star in the sky. So when the Lord was saying it's time to shine, what he was saying is it's getting ready to get dark. But I've called you as the church to shine like the brightness of the stars. And so we've been trying to be diligent and obedient to that word this year. We have been trying to shine in every way that we can possibly shine because obviously we are the light of the world. We're the hope of the world. There's nothing else. This world's going to get darker and darker, and the church is going to get brighter and brighter. Amen? We can talk about the darkness all day long. I'd rather talk about the light. <laughs> I'd rather talk about shining. Because I'll be honest with you, the darker it gets, the better we look. <laughs> is that the truth? I don't need my flashlight until it's dark. So that was the word that the Lord gave us for 2020. Two weeks ago... The Lord spoke to me about 2021, and I haven't publicly, well, I may have shared a little bit of it last Sunday here, but 
Uh, it was at Sunday night, so most of you guys didn't catch that, but I heard this as clear as I heard the one for 2019 and as clear as I heard the one for 2020. He said, 2021, it's time to build. It is time to build. And he didn't seem much interested in what was going to be going on with the world. You hear what I'm saying? It wasn't like building was going to be contingent on whether the circumstances were favorable or not. He didn't say, well, if everything goes the way you think it should go, then you should build. No, he said 2021 is a year to build. And so you know what I do, because if you know me, you guys know I'm a scripture guy. I went straight to the Bible. Where did Jesus talk about building? I went straight to it. And you know where it is? Matthew 16, and David already quoted it, and I'll repeat it. Upon this rock, I will build my what? My church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's what we all have to know going into 2021. No matter how much this world shakes, rattles, and rolls, which we know that it will, as the church, we're called to do this, join in the Father's business. What's the Father's business? He is building his own church. He is building this amazing it's the best thing on planet Earth. Yeah. Amen. I have to tell you this. I, I don't want to get too much on a rabbit trail, but I don't understand Christians who don't like church. I can't wrap my head around that one. I just can't wrap my head around it. When I was a kid, I jokingly say I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I was drugged to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every prayer meeting. Every, I mean, we were in church. Look, can I just tell you this? There was never one Sunday in the entire history of my life, zero to 18, where my mom or dad came up to me on a Sunday morning and said, hey, I don't think we're going to church today. It happened this many times from zero to 18. And do you know what? Oh, am I scarred for life? Oh, I'm some religious nut? No, I've actually loved Jesus my whole life. So I'm not a fan of this. Can I just tell you this? I'm, I'm kind of going a little bit off track here, but it, it'll get back to where I'm going. Do you know that the average church attendance right now in America is maybe 40%? And that's people that say they're committed to a local church. So that means the people that really actually love the church go 40% of the time the doors are open. Now I know we got COVID and that changes things. I get all that. Hey, web streamers, we're with you. But I'm talking about just not having a commitment or not having a value. Can I tell you something about human nature? You do what you want. Whatever you value, you make time for. If I value my kids, I'll make time for my kids. If I value church, I'll make time for church. If I value these relationships, then I'll make room in my life for these relationships. So here's the thing. I'm telling you, I don't care what the world's doing and the people that don't like church. I'm going to tell you what the Father's doing. He is building his church. That's what he's doing. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Can I tell you something else that's interesting about that Matthew 16 scripture? The first verse in 16.1, it says, And they entered the region, the region of Caesarea Philippi. And this is where Jesus has this first revelation that he's the Christ. Remember, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Oh, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the prophet. Some say, okay, Peter, in his shining, glorious moment, you're the Christ. Okay, this is literally the first time that it's, it's, it's realized because he says, the Father revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human. The Father told you that I'm the Messiah. That was big news. 
And he said, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The rock that he was building on is the revelation that he's the Messiah. We know that he wasn't building it on a man named Peter. It was the revelation that Peter got from the Father that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what we build the church on. But I want to tell you something. I've been to Israel twice, and I've been to Caesarea Philippi, and I've been to this place where this actually happened. And I want to tell you, it was the biggest pagan ritualistic site in the region. I've been to the cave. There's like a cliff and there's a cave hewn out of it. And it was some of the most filthy, vile things through history had been done right there. Sacrifices, human sacrifices. This place was known as the gate of hell. So you want to see my Jesus? He goes to the gate of hell to start the church. He goes right to the gate of hell. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to do anything about it. Do you see that? You got to see that. Like I said, he's not random. He does stuff on purpose. Jesus took him to the gates of hell to say, I'm going to build my church. So again, 2021, I don't care what the gates of hell throw at us at 2021. I'll be honest with you. I don't care. Oh, I got to be careful. I'm just telling you, I don't care what's going on out there. I know that I've been given a command from God, and it's this. It's time to build. It's time to build. So you know what? I'm excited about building. No matter what happens in the world, that stays the same. I get a little excited when I preach. But it's because it's true. Truth resonates in your heart, and it's like, it's like pumping life into you. Do you guys feel that? So I want to read. I usually have my computer and screens and all this stuff, but uh, we might can get some scriptures on the screen. I'm going to Ephesians 4, and I'll pull it up on my phone. But So how are we going to build? We know that we're supposed to build. Now how are we going to build? I'm going to start right here in Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore I... A prisoner serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Here's some good counsel for us. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now here's what I want you to hear on this There's seven ones that we all have in common if we're born again. Here they are, starting in verse 4. For there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So I'm going to tell you something. If we are the church, if we are born again... Every one of us, we might have a bunch of stuff not in common, but we've got those seven things in common every day of the week. One for every day. And I want to tell you something about this region that we live in, and and you may already know this, but David, myself, and probably a dozen other local pastors in this region are coming together in unity surrounding these scriptures right here. I mean, different denominations, different races, different backgrounds, and do you want to know what? There's real unity. There's a real brotherhood that's not just inside one local church, but it's regional. What do you think God's going to do in a region when churches are not in competition, but they're actually in unity? Do you think God's going to pour out his spirit on that? He opened with Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is. Why are we here today? 
Why am I here today? Why is our team here today? Because of this unity. We are one body. We have different giftings, we have different flavors, we have different whatevers, different callings, but we are one body and we have these seven things in common. Everybody say amen about that. So how are we gonna build? We're gonna skip down to verse 11. Are you tracking with me on the scriptures? Good job. Hey, these guys in the sound and the media, they're the unsung heroes of every meeting. Bless you guys. They're the hardest working people in here. So verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to his church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And why? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It's as plain as day. What do the five-fold ministries that are called and gifted by the Lord himself to his body, what are they called to do? Build. They're called to build the church. I'm telling you, if there is any legit apostle, legit prophet, legit evangelist, legit shepherd or teacher, they are about one thing, building. And equipping, I want to tell you this too, because this is something that's a revelation. I have a a mentor in my life that showed me this one day. He's a Greek scholar, and he can break down all the words in the original, and he can read the whole thing. He said that equipping is actually a poor translation of this verse. And we've all said, equip the saints, equip the saints, equip. So it has this connotation like, well, teach them how to use the gifts, and teach them how to function, and teach them equipping, right? Like training, teaching. Do you know what the real Greek literal meaning of equip is? Restore the saints for the work of the ministry. Fix the places that are broken. Heal the relationships. Heal the wounds. It is a whole different thing than me teaching you how to use a gift because some of the most gifted people I know are the most jacked up people I know. Is that the truth? At this point in my life, I'll be honest with you, I honor gifting, but I'm not impressed with it. I've seen more gifting than you can even imagine, but, but to me, how's your heart? <laughs> how's your family? How's your relationship with God? Is this just about ministry or like you and Jesus tight? So that whole scripture there is about restoring the saints so that we can function in our ministry fully with a clean heart. Does this make sense? So that's what the fivefold is called to do. And this will continue until when? Until we come to such unity, there it is again, in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Has the until happened yet fully? Okay, so let me just give you some very obvious points here. If the until hasn't happened yet, we still need apostles. We still need prophets, we still need evangelists, we still need shepherds, we still need teachers. Don't let anybody talk you out of any one of the five, because there's all kind of doctrinal whatever that would say, well, some of these are around and some of these are not. Until, I'm going to give you one word, until. Have we reached perfect unity? Have we worked perfect maturity in Christ? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. So what do we still need? We need all five of these ministries, and can I tell you what? We need all five. And I have to say one other thing too. I may say two other things or three, but listen. 
This is not a hierarchy. I got to set some groundwork here. Apostles are not first in preeminence and then prophets and then blah, blah, blah. No, it is linear. It is the order in which you build. Apostles and prophets lay the foundation. Ephesians 2.20, the foundation of the church is laid by apostles and prophets, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you ever meet a true apostle or you ever meet a true prophet, they've really got one heart. Build Christ in the people. Lay that firm foundation. I am preaching something right now. Then you bring in the evangelist after you've laid foundation and they get more people saved. And then what do those people need? They need a lot of shepherding, man, because they're coming out of the world and they are a mess. And then we got to have teachers. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's the Great Commission. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, we need them all. And can I tell you the dream of my heart, and I believe it's the dream of the Father's heart, to see a real, legit, five-fold functioning body of Christ. How many of you guys have cried out for years to see that, to experience that? I've literally prayed prayers like this. God, before you come get me or I go home, whatever, please just let me be a part of that once. Please, I just, I have to see that really working. I have to see those five ministries really working together to build up the church. It's the dream of my heart. It's the dream of the Father's heart. He's the one that invented all this. And I'm going to tell you one other thing that's amazing. All five of those gifts, do you want to know what they truly are when you put all that together? It is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the apostle. Jesus is the prophet. Jesus is the evangelist. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is rabbi, teacher. What Jesus did when he ascended is he took everything that he was and he distributed it five different ways, but it's all Jesus. Did he give everything to one person and call it a day? No. He, why did he divide it? Because we are going to have to work together. We're going to have to unite. That's the, why did he do it that way? He did it on purpose because he wants us to work together. Can I tell you, none of the, I'm, I'm just going a little rabbit trail here, but none of those five-fold ministries are in competition with one another. They are all complementary. And I'll be honest with you, if you lean way too heavily toward one emphasis, you're missing something else. Let me speak to prophetic culture for a minute. I've been prophetic my whole life. I started this message out talking prophetic. My wife's up here singing prophetic. I love prophetic. But can I tell you what prophetic needs? Prophetic needs apostolic and evangelistic as bookends. Why are prophets right in between apostles and evangelists? Because they need some rails. I'm speaking something. God designed this thing so perfectly to work the way it's supposed to work if we could all just get along. If all the egos could just die and all the competition and jealousy, and you know where most of it comes from, can I be honest with you? Most of it's just plain insecurity. People don't know who they are, so they're pushing and striving and trying to be something. Can we just get over that? Can we just get over all that? And let the body be the body. You know what real ministry is? It is death. It is service. It is, I'm laying my life down for others. It's not some glamorous thing. The cross is not glamorous. Ministry is not glamorous. If you've got some version of ministry in your head, some illusion of grandeur, I'm telling you, you are on a pipe dream, man. That is not ministry. Can I go? I'm just going to keep going. 
Ministry is not about people serving you, it's about you serving them. Ministry is not about somebody holding your Bible and giving you water and doing all, get over that mess. God, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I'm telling you, God is taking down the dang ministry machine. All this man, 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 build my kingdom stuff, no. Thank God for the shakings. Thank God for the COVID even. Thank God for all this stuff because it's going to separate the pure from the profane. My goodness. Jesus knows what he's doing. And he's going to have a mature church. He's going to have a unified church. And not just at a local level, but at a regional level. I have to testify to this. There are other brothers in this community at local Baptist churches and other churches that we are really legit unified. They love us and we love them and we do things together. Do you know that our worship team has been invited to lead worship at Baptist churches on their Sunday morning services? And we've done it gladly and we love to do it. This, the lines are starting to get blurred. Well, here's this church, and there's this hard line, and then there's this church, and there's this hard line. There's this. No, 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 no. God is blurring all those lines. Who's happy to see that? We're one body. There's one faith. There's one hope. There's one baptism. There's one Lord. There's one Father. It's the seven ones. Can we agree on those seven ones? Can I tell you this, too? Side note, I have three little boys, and they are all just a hundred percent boy and they're wild and they i mean the number one thing in my house is being a referee because i mean the two-year-old will try to beat up the six-year-old i mean they're all at each other constantly but do you want to know on the rare occasion that they are all just getting along and playing together and being nice and being sweet it does something to my heart that is like nothing else do you know that the father is the same way when he looks at his church when we're actually getting along, we're actually like for real loving each other and we're not faking it. Because my boys have their moments where you'll be watching out of the corner of your eye and they're like, I love you. I mean, you can see the little, you know, it's in there. It's way down in there somewhere. But when we, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters, we all have one father. So whether we like it or not, we are literally brothers and sisters. We are, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I can't not be your brother. It's impossible, we are, we are linked, okay? So we might as well actually get along and love each other, amen? Okay, I'm going back to scripture. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Can I tell you something? When there's a lack of five-fold ministry, this is the result. Immature like children, tossed and blown about by every wind. Have we seen this? We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body at the church. Amen, hallelujah. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What does 2021 look like? That right there. We're going to build that. Amen? 
We don't have to wonder, man, God, what are you doing in the earth? God's building his church. That's what he's doing. I'm gonna get really bold here. It has nothing to do with who's elected president of the United States of America. Do we have a preference? Of course. Do we feel like one guy was more toward what God wanted? Of course. And all that's still up in the air. But I'm telling you, that has nothing to do with our command to build the church. Zero. And let's be honest, if you look through church history, the church actually thrives in times of persecution and it falls asleep during times of success. We're not giving God much motivation, are we? That's church history. It's Israel's history too. God blessed them, they fell asleep at the wheel, they become apostate, then they have to go into captivity, and then the whole cycle flips over again, they repent, and then he blesses them again. And the entire history is that over and over and over and over and over. That's the entire Old Testament in a paragraph. That cycle over and over and over and over, and the church does the same thing. But I'm telling you what, guys, whether we are in the hardest season of our lives ever or the most blessed season of our life ever, this is what God's calling us to do. He is calling a five-fold ministry to function and to build up the church to make it unified and mature in Christ. So who wants to sign up for that? I'm going to give my life to this. I have given my life to this. this. This is all I got. This is all I do and chase my little boys around. Yeah, it's awesome. But, but this is what God has called us to do. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here a little bit. This body is very diverse. And you know, like I said, I spent seven years here, so I have a little bit of understanding. It's not like I was here for 30 days. I mean, seven years is a pretty good chunk. There is a variety of gifting in this room and out on the web, I know there's probably at least this many or more that are watching on the web today. I'm gonna to tell you what, there's so much more for this body than we've ever seen. Again, I'm getting back into this prophetic mode again. God was re-stirring up some stuff this morning. I hope you were catching that. Because God wants to do some things that we haven't yet fully seen, and I'm gonna even take it this far. This church has been known as a prophetic church of sorts. I'm gonna go out on the limb here and say that I believe, because David actually even said it in his first part. I believe what God is trying to restore is a fully apostolic church. And that, I don't know if we've seen yet. I don't know if we've fully experienced that yet. But man, don't you want to? full functioning like you read about in the book of Acts. Read Acts chapter two starting in verse 42 and just meditate on that whole section through there. It is amazing. I have to tell you this, when I was, I don't know, 19 or 20, I read the book of Acts for myself for the first time and I literally put the book down and I was so upset. I said, God, what happened to us? I mean, I read it for myself as, as, a, as a young man and I said, God, I'm reading what the church is supposed to look like, and I'm seeing what, what we are. What, what in the world happened? And I was like, I mean, to the point of tears over it. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Chris, in your lifetime, you will see the book of Acts, and you will see it multiplied. And I said, okay, I'm good with that. So God is restoring all things. That's apostolic ministry. 
restoring all things and having Jesus first, preeminent, central, everything is about him. He's the cornerstone, he's the foundation, he's the building, he's everything. So this is what God is building. So help us, Lord. Are you guys encouraged? I know I've said this a few times, but I want to reiterate this. What's beautiful about this is it literally has nothing to do with what happens out there. It affects what happens out there. As the church goes, the world goes. Is that true? You want to see a nation in trouble, you'll find a church in trouble. You want to see a nation that's fallen away, you'll find a church that fell away before that. Is that true? But God's going to raise up a pure and holy bride. I'm convinced of it. It may be a remnant, but he is going to raise up a real, bona fide, at the end of the age, glorious church, and all the powers that be will look at it and go, oh, wow. And they'll be able to do nothing about it. So that's what we're building. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) So thank you, Jesus. So Father, help us. We do want to join you in your, in, your, in your building of your church, God. We do want to see your dreams come true. We want to see every prophecy that's been spoken over this place come to pass. Lord, we want to see those things that, that were being sung about even this morning. We want to see the fullness of those things. God, we want to see a true, fully functioning, mature, apostolic church. God, we want to see a full, five-fold ministry in all of its fullness, working and moving and in and, and unity and love and the body just expressing itself in love. God, we want to see these things. God, we know it's going to be a lot of hard work, and we know, God, that it's going to take uh, unbelievable amounts of grace. But, God, we're asking you, Lord. We're asking you, God. We're only down here for a short amount of time, Lord. We want to see this. We want to see your church become all that it's called to be. We want to see your church be who she's intended to be, which is a pure and holy and spotless and radiant and powerful bride. So, God, would you just unite us together? in real genuine fellowship and love and brotherhood and and unity, God, that's in your spirit. Lord, you said you command the blessing, God, around unity. And so, God, we thank you that we can unify, Lord. We got a lot of things that that are not in common, but, God, we've got those seven things that are always in common. And so, God, we unify. We choose to unify around those things. And God, we just want to see your kingdom come and we want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, here we are. Everybody plays a part. There's no bench pew sitters, God. Everybody has a part to play. So let every person be engaged in building your church and doing what you've called them to do. Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to wave. If you want to be baptized, here's your lady right here. So we are going to have a baptism. Which pool is it? Is it this one? Okay. Um, so if you need to be baptized, see Labrida, is that the right? Librada. Librada. I got it. I got it the third time. But uh, we bless you guys in Jesus' name. And let's, let's build the church. Amen. All righty, praise the Lord. Go and sin no more.